Welcome back to the Global Tehillim and Chizik Daily Call. On behalf of the OU, I'm your host, Naftali Herman. It's great to be back with each and every one of you. As always, thank you so much for joining the program, for making it a part of your day on Yom Shlishi, the 19th day of the month of Adar Shani. I apologize if there is some background noise. I am in the airport. I am doing the call remotely today. I apologize if there's any background noise that may be coming through. As they've been for now, sadly, almost a month, our thoughts continue to be with the people of, U- of Ukraine, particularly concerning Achenu ben Israel, our brothers and sisters who are in harm's way. We can continue to help the heroic efforts happening on the ground, and we'll hear more about that soon, by visiting ou.org slash Ukraine. That's ou.org forward slash Ukraine for more information and donation opportunities. I'd like to thank our incredible and generous sponsors for their continued support, in particular the Schwartz family, and whose names are prominently listed in the OU Daily email. To sponsor future programs, please visit OU.org slash call. That's OU.org forward slash C-A-L-L. Please note that the deadline to submit a sponsorship for tomorrow's program is today at 5 p.m. Eastern. On behalf of the OU, it is my great honor to welcome back to the Daily Call and introduce Rabbi Shaul Robinson of Lincoln Square Synagogue in New York, New York, to share Divrei Chizik, which will be immediately followed by, Robin, by Rabbi Robinson, slowly reciting our daily four chapters of Tehillim, Tarais Chaf, Chaf Kimmel, Kuf Chaf Aleph, and Kuf Lamid. Those are chapters 20, 23, 121, and 130. They'll be followed by the Mishaberach, Lacholim, with a sizable pause to insert the names of those who we are davening with, and then conclude with the recitation of Achenu. Following that, you'll have an opportunity to speak with Rabbi Robinson to learn more about his experience recently on the border of Ukraine. What a pleasure and honor it is to welcome Rabbi Robinson back to the Daily Call, the Chavod, with great honor, Rabbi Robinson. Thank you very much, Rabbi Herman, and thank you for the opportunity of again addressing this very important daily Tehillim and Chizik call. It's hard to imagine that it's really two years, over two years now, two years and a week that this call started. And I know what a valuable role it is uh, and a valuable lifeline it is for so many, many people. And a great uh, pleasure and privilege to be able to have been part of this on a number of occasions. I want to share a brief idea about our Parsha, Parsha Shmini, and before we get to the Tehillim, and I hope this is relevant for all of us, Parsha Shmini is a difficult Parsha, coming as it does right at the very beginning of Sefer Vayikra in the uh, obscure, to many people, uh, works and passages of Korbanot, sacrifices, and then, of course, the very difficult, difficult, difficult passage of the death, the sin, and the punishment, the killing of Nadav and Avihu, two of Aaron's children, on the most precious day of the completion of the Mishkan sanctuary, a day that was supposed to be, had indeed been a day of tremendous rejoicing, suddenly turned into a day of mourning. One of the authors that I have been following uh, with great devotion these last number of years is a rabbi in Israel, a scholar, professor of Bible at Bar-Ilan University, who actually lives in the city of Alon Shvut in Israel, and is a <coughs> partly a teacher and a student of the great Yeshivat Haritzion of Rabbi Lichtenstein and Rabbi Mital, 
Zichronim Livracha, has now gone on to become one of the most profound and important Bible scholars in the academic world as well in Israel. Rabbi Yonatan Grossman has recently written a tremendous paper on the book of Vayikra and the institution of Korbanot sacrifices. It's important to understand that, as I think we're all aware of, Torah flourishes in this day and age. This past week we lost the great Gadol, Rechaim Kanievsky, Zecher Tzadik Bivracha. Torah flourishes in America, in many, many yeshivot, but it particularly flourishes in Israel with an astonishing creativity. And one of the things that I love about the contemporary Israeli religious world is the breath, the new breath that has been, the new life that has been breathed into all sorts of parts of Tanakh Bible that um, previous generations, certainly previous years, we may have perhaps skimmed over. Professor Grossman has recently written a book, it's only available in Hebrew so far, on the whole institution of Korbanot sacrifices. And he makes the following very, very innovative, very, uh, very new, very novel suggestion about the sin of Nadav and Avihu. And what he suggests is as follows, and this is a brand new explanation I've never read before that filled me with tremendous excitement. He posits that this day, the eighth day, the day of the inauguration of the Mishka and the sanctuary, was a day in which the entire Jewish people were supposed to witness the Shekhinah, the divine presence, returning down to earth. That was a day that was supposed to be the most public celebration of all, of the fact that God had forgiven the sin of the golden calf and was once again going to place his Shekhinah, his divine presence in our midst. What did Nadav and Avihu do? They had been amongst the lucky few who were able to get a front row seat at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai. They didn't know, they didn't think that ordinary people were allowed to see what they had seen at Sinai, the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence. They thought that God's presence was something only to be encountered by the very few, the elite, the lucky ones. And therefore, as soon as they saw the Shekhinah, the fire coming down from heaven, they quickly took the Ketoret, an effort, the incense, and an effort to conceal. All over the, all over the Torah, the Ketoret creates a cloud that stops common folk, the ordinary folk, gazing on the holy. And therefore suggests Professor Grossman with considerable evidence in the verses, the real sin of Nadav and Avihu is to try and prevent the ordinary people, the you and me's of this world, with the opportunity to see that which they got to see. Judaism is not supposed to be an elite religion. Any one of us could become, with enough effort, or of Chaim Kanievsky, Zechot Sadik Nibracha, any one of us could become Sadik Atamad Chacham. Nobody can ever conceal or cover up the truth of our religion from us and tell us that we don't belong, only they belong. And that light will continue now, we'll begin now reciting Tehillim, prayers, the language of we, the common folk, as we turn to Hashem. We'll begin with Psalm 20. Laminat Seah Mizmor Le David. Yan Chadunai Biyom Tsara, Tagev Chashem Elohe Yaakov. Shlach Ezracha Mikodesh, Mitzion Yisadeka. Yizkor Kom in Chotacha, Beolatcha Yedash Nesela. 
תן לך כבבך וכל עצמך ימלא. ורעננה בשיעותך ובשם אלוהינו נגול, ימלא אדוני כל משאלותך. אתה ידעתי כי הושיע אדוני משיחו יעננו משמי קודשו, בגבורות ישר ימינו. אלה ברכב ואלה בסוסים, ואנחנו בשם אדוני אלוהינו נזכיר. המה קראו ונפלו, ואנחנו קמנו ונתעודד, אדוני הושיע, המלך יעננו ויום קראנו. מזמור לדוד, אדוני רועי לא אחסה. בינות דשא ירביצני, עמי מנוחות ינעלני. נפשי ישובה וינחני ומג לצדק למען שמו. גם כי אלך בגט סמוות לא יררע, כי אתה עמדי. שבתך ומשענתך, המה ינחמוני. תערוך לפני שולחן נגד צוררי. שנת בשמן ראשי כוסי רוויה, אך טוב וחסד ירדפוני כל ימי חיי. ושבתי בבית אדוני לאורך ימים. שיר למעלות, שא עיניי אל ההרים מאין יבוא עזרי. עזרי מעם אדוני עושה שמים בארץ, אל ייתן למות רגלך על ינום שמרך. הנה לא ינום ולא ישן שומר ישראל, אדוני שמרך אדוני צלך על יד ימינך. דומם השמש לא יככו וירח בלילה, אדוני ישמורך מכל רע ישמור את נפשך, אדוני ישמור צדך ואיך מעתה ביד עולם. שיר המעלות, ממה מקים קראתיך אדוני, אדוני שמע בקולי תהיינה אזניך קשובות לכל כך אדוני. אם עוונות תשמריה אדוני מי יעמוד, אם אחר סליחה למען תברא. הייתי אדוני כבחה נפשי ולדברו אכלתי. נפשי לאדוני משומרים לבוקר, שומרים לבוקר. רחל ישראל על אדוני, היא עם אדוני החסד, והרבה עמו פדות, והוא יפדד ישראל מכל עוונותיו. אדם בן רצייד משברך לחולים, and pause for his old concern the names of loved ones in Nidu Barufua Shalema. מי שברך אבותינו אברהם יצחק ויעקב, משה אהרון דובד ושלמה, ויברך רפאת החולים, בעבור שאנחנו מתפללים בעבורם. בזכזה הקדוש ברוך הוא ימלא רחמים עליהם, אחימם לפרוטם, להחזיקם ולחיותם. שלח להם מהר הרפואה שלמה מן השמיים, לכל עבריהם ולכל גדיהם בתוך שחול ישראל, פרוט הנפש ורפואת הגוף, השקה בעגלה זמן קריב, ונאמר אמן. And finally, for a hand over back to Rabbi Herman, אחינו כל בית ישראל, נתונים בצרה ובשביה, 
העומדים בין בים ובין ביבשה. המקום ירחם עליהם ויוציאם מצרה לברכה, ומאפלה לאורה ולשיבוד לגאולה, השתא בעגלה ובזמן קריב, ונאמר אמן. Amen. Thank you so much, Rabbi Robinson. Truly appreciate you being on with us today, um, not only to share beautiful Devar Torah, but a, but a really unique perspective on Nadav Neviyah, but also uh, to sh- share the Tehillim with us as well. And to st- talk a little bit now, you have such a unique experience to be on the border of Ukraine, to be in Poland uh, just uh, several days ago, a week or so ago. So but before I get into maybe perhaps one or two more detailed questions, if you could reflect with us to share a little bit over what the experience was like for you. Thank you so much, and I know this is an unusual part of the, uh, of the program. Um, I, uh, I had the opportunity to travel last week to Poland. We left on Motsi Shabbat, and we were back in New York on Tuesday evening. It was less than 48 hours on the, on the ground, a lot less than 48 hours. It was a trip of rabbis across the nominational run by uh, New York UJ Federation to see the work that the main Jewish institutions in Poland uh, in, commemor- in, in partnership with international Jewish organizations and local Jewish organizations are doing on the ground. What is what we and we we were in Warsaw. We saw how a tiny Jewish community, the war, the Poland Jewish community, is a tiny community. Um, how, without any, um, you know, uh, blueprint, has suddenly been made to scale up uh, to be a uh, extremely important part of what is the greatest refugee crisis, biggest refugee crisis, certainly in Europe since World War II. And we spent time in Warsaw, time in Lublin, I'm in various Jewish community facilities that have all become entirely taken over by housing and taking care of refugees as they make their way through Poland onto either to Israel or elsewhere in Europe or who are going to wait in Poland until their husbands are able to either join them or it's safe to go back. And we spent most moving day on the border of the Ukraine and Poland where you literally can watch walking across the border, women and children, women and children in their, in their thousands, some women carrying their children, wheeling suitcases, no men, men between the ages of 18 and 60, they're not allowed to leave Ukraine, they have to fight, and you see hundreds of thousands of refugees that are crossing over uh, into Poland and to many other countries that we did not get to see. And uh, it is the most heartbreaking situation to see people who for weeks ago live lives like ours. We think of refugees as people from different circumstances who live lives unimaginably different to, our, to ours. These are people who live stable, often prosperous lives, who two, three, four weeks ago suddenly realized that war had come to their country and they packed suitcases, and they picked up their children, and they fled. And it is one of the most, I want to say, uh, harrowing, deeply disturbing um, sights of my life to see so many people for whom life was so normal until recently who have, who have fled for their lives. 
Unbelievable. Wow. Let me ask you, um, what was something that really surprised you that perhaps everything was a surprise, I imagine, going in? Maybe, you know, we've all been glued to the TVs and to the to all the news articles, but what was something that perhaps that you didn't even expect in whatever hachana, whatever preparation you were doing in advance for the trip, but what was something that really stood out to you? So that's an excellent question, Rabbi Herman, and, uh, and thank you for asking it. And I would say as follows, and I reflected this a little bit on, on, on Facebook. Look, you know, Jewish relationship with Poland and with Ukraine are extremely complicated. These are countries that killed and allowed to be killed and stood by and sometimes participated in the death and the destruction of so many of our people. And we know that when the Nazis Yamach Shimon went into particular Ukraine, they found people very, very willing to help them, people who couldn't wait to help them. And Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who, as you know, I was close to, uh, actually wrote in a number of places about the fact that the Torah reminds us not to hate the Egyptian, the Mitzri, because at the end of the day, um, one has to be prepared to move beyond hatred. And I say that because I visited Poland twice before, both private trips. I've never been on an organized trip, but on private Holocaust-orientated commemoration trips and had the deepest feelings of, of, of unease in Warsaw, in Krakow, as I think anybody who has been there has. This time was different. Poland has, for whatever reason, and to their credit, become exemplary. Poland and other European countries, but I think in particular Poland, have opened up their borders, and you see refugees streaming across at the main Warsaw train station. And train stations have their own resonance for the Holocaust. Tents have been set up to feed Refugees, the last morning of our trip, all the leftover time bars and snacks that we bought on our trip, because we weren't sure what the food situation would be, we dropped off and there were volunteers handing out food to, to thousands of refugees streaming through Warsaw. So, of course, when our grandparents fled for their lives in Poland, Ukraine, there were no open borders and there was nobody waiting for them with a hot cup of coffee or a soup or a warm meal, and certainly not with a visa. And I, and I want to say, and I certainly want to hope, that it, it filled me with a certain degree of optimism, that humanity can learn from mistakes. In, in Ukraine, we're seeing the worst, the worst that Putin and his, and, his, and his collaborators are doing, and it's the worst of humanity. And in all the border countries, uh, you see Jewish and indeed non-Jewish, you see the best of humanity. When one crosses the border, when a Ukrainian refugee crosses the border, at the border crossing that we were at, and there's no doubt that it's the same at all of them, they are met with hundreds of yards of, of, of tables. It's like a shuk, a machina Yehuda of chesed. There are people giving out SIM cards and hand warmers and coffee and medical equipment and shampoo and, and, and leaflets explaining how to claim asylum in this country or that country. And, you know, when our grandparents fled, there was nobody waiting for them. 
and there was nobody to help them, and there was nowhere to go. And this time, it's, it's different. And as I say, it's the worst of humanity, what's happening in Ukraine. And I think the best of humanity, that what's happening on the other side of the border. And I'll say this last, and it should fill us all with pride, and it's, and it's, it's almost happenstance, but it's deeply appropriate. The very first thing, at least at the border crossing that we were at, that a Ukrainian refugee sees when they cross, there's a checkpoint and they have to wait hours on the Ukrainian side. Some people recently froze to death on the other side of the border. When they finally cross over and they walk this narrow path of no man's land to the get to the Polish side, the first thing you see is a tent with an Israeli flag flying. It's not the Israeli government. The Israeli government is on the ground with their own resources. It's an, a, a group of Orthodox Jews, of Frum Jews, the team from actually somewhere in the Shomron, who set up a uh, Hatzalah tent, not United Hatzalah, who set up a Hatzalah tent to offer emergency first aid for the people as they cross over the border, proudly with an Israeli flag flying. So it fills all Jews with pride, but it fills human beings with pride as well. That maybe we have learned our lesson and we are attuned and aware of the needs of people who have lost everything and certainly didn't expect that there would be people waiting for them on the other side of the border, helping them, which is something that Jewish history tells us that, you know, if only had it existed 80 years ago, 70 years ago, uh, the world would have been so much a different place. This is truly remarkable, and we're living through historical times here, and what a contrast from what was and what, and what is, and to see the focus on the good in humanity now. Um, one final question for you. We'll keep it quick um, at risk of me missing my flight. Um, what's something that maybe we're not a- <laughs> um, What's something perhaps, and you might have just answered it already, but let me ask you. From what we're seeing on the TV, what we're reading, what we're seeing on the Internet, what's something we're perhaps we're not seeing that your trip, your mission, is able to offer an additional perspective for us? And, and I think you might have just beautifully articulated it already, but if there's anything else that you could share with us, because we're all in the right place here in terms of what we can do. We gather together every day to daven. We're focusing on doing extra acts of the most chassadim those who are able to, to give opportunity to, to sponsorship um, opportunities for tzedakah, whatever tzedakah it might be, whether it's through the OU right. portal or many, many others. We're all doing great. But um, from your perspective, is there something maybe that there's something extra that you can add, which you've already done so beautifully sharing with us? And my question is so long now that I'm going to be very little time to respond, but um, something, something else you can add. Look, you know, I'll say what I said. I'll say what I said in Shul the Shabbat, and I, I deliberately did not write my speech on Shabbos. You know, people think the rabbi spent all week writing the speech. I knew that I could only process my thoughts and feelings by in public, and uh, just the way that I am, I think maybe other people are as well. And I found myself saying the following, and it's the last thing you'll expect me to say, which is, you see history being made in front of you. We've never in our day thought that. Millions of people, 10 million Ukrainians have left their homes, 8 million or 7.5 internally in Ukraine, 2.5 have already crossed over borders. We're witnessing a massive population upheaval. 
We're witnessing an entire Jewish community probably making its way permanently to Israel and other countries. When the war is over, the Jews of Russia, without question, are going to need to get out because Russia will be a marginalized, backward, and should be country for what they have done. We're watching population upheavals. History, despite what we were told at the end of the Cold War, did not end. History is the Rabono Shalola moving the pieces around in his plan and his way. And none of us can count on the security that we were brought up to expect. So one thing I told my shul on Shabbos at Lincoln Square, as well as please give as generously as you can, as long as you're giving to a credible organization like the OU, or Chabad on the ground, or UJ Federation, people that are known and trusted, the money is going directly to people who could need the help. But one other thing, make sure your passport is up to date. We never know when it's going to be our turn. The people of Kiev, computer programmers, lawyers, attorneys, businessmen, impeccably dressed. One of the rabbis, notice one of the ladies waiting for an Aliyah flight, had the latest Apple Watch and beautifully manicured nails. Two weeks ago, being a refugee was something that she never thought would happen to her. can happen to us as well in ways we can't predict, but it can happen. It can happen. So never be too secure. Never be the last to get on the train or the plane. Never let your passport go out of date. We, thank God, have an Israel, and we have a place to go, and let's keep it strong, and let's never, ever fool ourselves that history has somehow ended and nothing will possibly blow our lives off track. That's what the people of Ukraine thought a few weeks ago as well. Thank you, Rabbi Robinson. Thank you so much. And uh, to use your terminology, I will not be the last one on this plane out because I actually just delayed the flight a little bit, but we actually had a little bit more time. But I thank you so much uh, for spending an additional few minutes with us. And we certainly look forward to having you back on the daily call in the near future. Thank you. We hope and pray that all of our collective efforts for safety, strength, and refua for all of those in need will be answered with Tova for good. Please join us again for our next scheduled program tomorrow on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. With hearts full of faith, stay strong, hopeful, and optimistic, wishing everyone a wonderful, healthy, and safe day.